between the 3DS eShop closing and a major gaming institution dying again, it's been a really bad week for E's and 3's. Tonight is April 2nd, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, even uh, if... You, okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwell. That's right. I'm not in a ring tonight. A lot of people are probably caring about what's going on in a ring tonight. I'm not one of them. And so we are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... Uh, uh, I, I would say a somber edition, but we've had the same episode multiple times about the same topic multiple times. Uh, a repeat, I guess, edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel here on this Sunday night, uh, where you could be maniacally watching something else. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We do tape this show live each and every Sunday night, for the most part, uh, over on the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. So, co- some, so come join us. I can talk. So come join us and interact with the show directly. Uh, and I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. Uh, but if you can't be here on Sunday nights because maybe you are... Um, you know, wa- watching something in Hollywood or something. Uh, we are a podcast, and uh, we do have a Discord server uh, that you can join during the week. Vognetwork.com slash Discord. You can provide uh, you can provide commentary on uh, issues maybe that you want to bring up to, uh, or uh, react to previous uh, episodes and things that we have talked about on previous episodes. And But tonight is going to basically be about one thing. Uh, that that we've actually talked about a couple times on this show. I've been doing this podcast since 2005, and this is a major gaming institution that I've actually started attending in 1997. Uh, and uh, and and I basically attended every year until 2014, uh, when essentially I was no longer eligible to attend. Um, and and except for 2012, and that, that's kind of an anomaly year. Uh, but but uh, we're we're talking about E3, and E3. Uh, we have covered the death of E3 probably, uh, three times now on this show, um, or four times, like E3 is dead. And the first time was E3 2006, uh, because they had pared down E3 in 2007, which I still attended in 2007. Uh, they did not have it at the convention center. It was a bunch of hotels in Santa Monica. And I was like, all right, well, E3, as we know it, is dead because E3 2006 had 80,000 attendees. Paris Hilton had a line out the door, all that stuff. We talked about E3 dying then. And then it came back, and it was a little different. Uh, then I talked about it dying when they wouldn't let us in in 2015 anymore. And that was more narcissistic and stuff. That was not E3 actually dying. But then uh, after 2019, uh, when you know major companies pulled out, and then you know they didn't have it because of the pandemic, and then they... Didn't have it again and blamed the pandemic, even though that probably that that was just a convenient excuse. Uh, Well, now we're uh, having it come back again 
and die again. Pod culture says it's like a soap opera villain. It always dies and then comes back. So we, we have saw, seen it come back and try to come back a couple times. Uh, this time, uh, I think uh, it, the, the, it, it's dead. I think this time, E3, we're not going to see it come back. I think this was the last-ditch effort, and it failed uh, earlier this week. IGN uh, reported that almost a year after announcing its return, the Entertainment Software Association announced to its members that this year's Electronic Entertainment Expo has been canceled. Two sources confirmed to IGN at the time that the organization announced the cancellation via email sent off to its members today. Uh, on the day that this was. Uh, the email said that E3, quote, remains a beloved event and brand, unquote, and that the 2023 version, quote, simply did not garner the sustained interest necessary to execute it in a way that would showcase the size, strength, and impact of our industry, unquote. The ESA concludes the email by reiterating its commitment to advocacy work. It does not mention undertaking the show again in future years. Uh, so the ESA did issue a public statement from Kyle Martzen-Kish, who is the global VP of gaming at ReadPop, who is the company that they brought in to oversee the new E3. He says, quote, this was a difficult decision because of all of the effort that and our partners uh, that we and our partners put towards making this event happen. But we had to do what's right for the industry and what's right for E3. We appreciate and understand that interested companies wouldn't have playable demos ready and that resourcing challenges made being at E3 this summer an obstacle they could not overcome. For those who did commit to E3 2023, we are so sorry we cannot put on the showcase you deserve and that you've come to expect from Read Pop's events experiences. Unquote. And then uh, they add that uh, ReadPop and the ESA will continue to work together on future E3 events. So it, they don't say E3, but it sounds like here, here's going to be my guess what that means. They're bringing E3 to PAX. They're going to use the E3 branding at other ReadPop events. And it's going to be E3 at PAX. And they're going to have a section, possibly, of um, uh, you know, of the show floor that's going to be devoted to an E three style, E uh, three style game reveals, and they're going to try to do that and basically make it E three at PAX. So that's what I think they mean by future E three events. They're going to use the E three branding that that has existed since the uh, since the mid nineties, since uh, the the video game industry realized the consumer electronics show was not going to help them in any way uh, because that's how E3 was started was because CES put them out like in the parking lot and they were like, we deserve our own show. And CES is like, LOL, you don't. Uh, and then E3 was born. Uh, but I think that's what's probably going to happen is ReadPop is just basically going to take E3 as a brand and incorporate it into their existing events and have E3 events at PAX. The event was supposed to be taking place from June 13th through June 16th at the Los Angeles Convention Center and would have been the first in-person E3 event since 2019. The event was canceled in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and while a digital version was held in 2021, the event was canceled again in 2022 in an effort to focus on a revitalized showcase that would set a new standard for hybrid industry events. Um, so, uh, and, and what we didn't really cover is that... Uh, we did cover some of these, but Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, and more recently Ubisoft announced it would not be attending E3 in any capacity, with with most opting to host its own digital showcases. Now, uh, E3 VL says, uh, or Tiger Claw says, Summer Game Fest will be the E3 replacement. And 
and uh, and E3 reveal said last year most content and premiere and trailers overlapped. So it's it's really interesting because Jeff Keighley did make a tweet and basically said that he went to his first ever E3 in 1995, uh, or he went to the first ever E3. So he had been to every E3. Uh, and uh, he said, four years ago, I realized that E3 wasn't evolving as it needed to compete uh, in a global digital world, so we started building What's Next. See you at Summer Games Fest, June 8th. So what Jeff is building is a new version of what the consumer saw E3 as. And that's where, you know, all anybody talks about E3 is, well, they don't need a, a, they don't need a show to show me all the trailers, that that was a very small part of what E3 was. The problem is the ESA essentially latched onto the idea that E3 is what the consumers all wanted E3 to be. Whereas E3 was really a place for the gaming industry professionals to uh, network with each other, make deals. And yes, I understand like Zoom exists and there's discords and slacks and stuff like that, but it's it's very different than actually meeting face-to-face with somebody. Um, and, and so deals got done, uh, relationships were formed, things happened because they met up and had a meeting at a physical location where everybody was, that was the power of E3. Trade shows do still exist in other, uh, in other industries. They still happen. Uh, some of them didn't even stop in 2020, um, because they found places that were friendly to allow them to still have an in-person gathering in 2020, which there were some places in America that allowed them to do that, uh, because it was integral to their industry. And gaming, unfortunately, is no different than those industries, other than the fact that the consumers are really vested and believe they are also part of the industry. So anything that excludes consumers is something that needs to be destroyed. Or they needed to be a part of it. Um, and the breakman says, it's better being remote. You don't have to smell the unwashed. Once again, it's not better being remote. Because if you can smell the person that you're trying to negotiate with, you can figure out that maybe they're not a person you want to be doing business with. Because that's what it was actually for. It wasn't a convention. This was not a comic con. It, But it... ESA was trying to turn it into more like a comic con. That's why they hired Reed Pop. So yes, in the very end, it's, it, they were trying to make it a comic con, but originally it wasn't. It was a place where, you know, retailers, which I mean, and I understand that some of this is more, some of this is not needed anymore, but retailers would meet with publishers. Publishers were trying to convince retailers that you need to help promote our product. You know, you need to give shelf space to our product. Here's how much we're going to pay for the promotion and all that stuff. All that ha- was done in person. Um, I would not be where I was today or, or where, where I was, where I am today. I'm mixing my tenses. Oh, my English teacher's not watching. I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for all the networking I did at E3. Because remember, I went to every single one of them from 1997 until 2014, except for one year. And that was the year that we launched Vogue and you had to be around for six months for them to be in. And uh, we basically launched Vogue the week of E3 so that we didn't have a way in. Um but I would not be here and have the connections that I do, uh, the little few connections I still have, if it wasn't for E3. And I would go to E3 and never touch a controller. Or I maybe would con- touch a controller once. Whereas when you think of E3, you think of it's the world's largest arcade on free play. I'm playing all the new games and, you know, uh, and, you know, it's, you know, showcases and stuff. You, you, the press conferences that you saw on the Internet were actually not at E3. 
They, they weren't part of E3. If you had an E3 badge, you couldn't get into those. And in fact, there were people, you could get into those without an E3 badge. They were not part of E3. They were, they just happened to be in the same city at the same time, you know, uh, and, and they happened to coincide with E3, but they weren't part of E3. They, uh, you know, because uh, um, Sony, especially uh, when they, when they were, when I was still attending, uh, there was a long line of people from the general public. You could get a free ticket in because they wanted people to cheer. Because the people like me who would go in and we would be in the press area, um, we knew not to cheer from the press box. And so most of us, because we're actually typing or like actually working, we don't go, we, we don't clap or we, we do clap some, but we don't cheer and have the, you know, the, the, the whoop, whooping and hollering. So they brought in the general public who couldn't get to E3 to the press conference because they held it at the Los Angeles sports arena. So there was a lot of seating. So, and, and, and the Breakman says, I have always enjoyed E3 from the comfort of my couch. And that's the thing is that the part that E3 was about, the reason that E3 was great was because it was about the people that were actually there talking to each other and not necessarily about you on the couch. And consumers can't let go of that. They always thought, well, E3 is for me. And no, it, it wasn't. They were trying to make it for you at the end, which is why I think part of the reason they died. But, um... The you know it, it was for the industry. It was supposed to be members of the industry for each other, and then it became the consumers came in and said, "No, no, no, we are more important, and we demand to be included." And E three started trying to cater to them. And when the consumers came in, that's when your Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, Ubisoft, when they're like, "Peace out, see ya," um, because if we're going to talk to the consumers, we're going to do it on our terms, not on yours. Yes, Summer Games Fest is going to continue what e, what E3 is for consumers, for consumers. It is going to be that idolized version of E3 that you think w- existed since 1995. And even in the late 2000s, I first went to PAX in 2007. And I said in 2007, PAX is what people who've never been to E3 think E3 is like. And that is more focused for the consumer. And even at PAX, Sony would show up, Nintendo would show up, they would have more muted things, they would basically have things that were either really close to being released or already released. That's what they would be showing off because they understood that the general public didn't take bugs lightly. Whereas when I went to E3 and I first played Halo, which was at E3 2000, I believe it was either 2000 or 2001. It was before the Xbox came out. They didn't even have the Xbox. It was actually running on PCs uh, because they actually it it crashed and they opened it up. And I'm like, oh, it's a PC tower inside there. It was a dev kit, Um, but it had frame rate issues. It was buggy and all that stuff. But everybody there were part of the industry, either as developers or as industry press who are used to these things. And especially in 2000. Gaming media was very used to these early builds and knowing, you know, what development cycles are like. But if a regular person who was not in the industry, who knew nothing about game development, they just loved playing games, they saw that, they would write off Halo for the rest of the time. And they'd be like, no, and and you should never get Halo. It's a buggy mess, even though they were showing it over a year before it was supposed to come out. The general public. Now, you as an individual who probably are not in the game industry but listening to this, you probably understand that. You as an individual. But 
it, I think it was Men in Black had this quote, a person is smart, people are dumb. So as a whole, the general public would look at that Halo build from 2000 and say, this is dead on arrival. Nobody's going to want to play this. It's so full of bugs. And, and it came out when it finally came out. Uh, that's not what it was at all. Now, Mike Deft says, calling it right here, uh, right now, E3 will restructure to become PAX LA. I, I And so, I, and I also want to reiterate, also because, and I apologize for the podcast, folks, but the live shows, some people kind of come in later. Because I, my prediction, Mike Deft says PAC, uh, E3 is going to become PAX LA. My prediction is that Reed Pop is going to take the E3 brand into its own shows. So instead of a separate show of PAX, they're going to have E3 at PAX. And so at PAX East, you will have a section of the convention that will be branded the E3 portion. Uh, and they will have E3, what you consider E3 to be, where it's going to be companies showing off, you know, AAA future games or something like that. Or at some of their other shows, their Comic-Cons or something, they will have an E3 at this Comic-Con. They're bringing E3 to you. That That is what I think... That That is where Reed Pop sh- should go if they were smart. If I was Reed Pop, and I'm glad I'm not, is I instead of making a new convention, because we have learned a new convention's not going to work. Um, but... And they already have a PAX in Seattle, and they're expanding the Seattle Convention Center, so they don't need to have another PAX on the West Coast. Uh, They like to spread them out geographically, and L.A. is too close to Seattle for that. I think they're going to just bring the E3 branding to a portion of PAX and basically say, hey, E3 is going to be in Boston for the first time. Come to PAX East to experience E3 at PAX. So, um, SJRMAT says, I saw a Golden Eye documentary, and the dev team talked about how important E3 was to get in front of people. The game was a mess and running on duct tape and gum, but those E3 were important. I think those E3s were the Atlanta ones. Yes, I, I do believe it was, and I probably played Golden Eye as it was on that duct tape uh, there. Um, and the Rigman asked, was E3 gr- good for smaller developers, or were they just overshadowed by the big ones? It was fantastic. And here's why. If the smaller developer could afford a booth in Kensha, what we're going to call Kensha Hall, which was the, uh, it, it was kind of, it had cheaper booth space. It wasn't in the main halls. Uh, it was basically like, it wasn't in the same area as Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, but it was a smaller area. There are people at publishers that would go around to look at those games. And if those publishers liked your games, you might get a publishing deal. And th- because the indie gaming scene was a lot smaller because there was a higher barrier of entry to make games back and then we didn't have good engines like Unreal and Unity free to developers. It was a very different time. Um, that was huge. Uh, but also you could g- basically get, uh, if you took your game on a laptop uh, to to some, you could get meetings with the publishers. You could actually g- get into contact with them and they would see you and they would give you 20 minutes of their time. You could have, you would have like a 20 to 30 minute block, usually 20 minutes. That way they could have 10 minutes and have 30 minutes blocks. You could go in and basically elevator pitch your game to a bunch of publishers because you all were in the same place. You were all in the same place at the same time. And that was what it was for. You didn't have to worry about all these other schedules. It was great. Uh, it was great for them uh, because remember it's, it was not supposed to originally be about the consumers it was about the industry itself. And so, yes, to you as a consumer, that little company in Kensha Hall 
was overlooked because all you cared about was whatever GoldenEye was being shown or whatever Nintendo was showing or something. And so you didn't care about the smaller stuff down there. But it was a game changer for developers, for smaller developers that were probably wanting to get purchased or probably wanting funding so they could do what they actually wanted to do and basically take their game to what they wanted because that takes time and money. And it really takes money. And maybe they don't have the money for it. Um, I would guess that, uh, you know, a game like Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero was shown off down in Kensha Hall because it was independent companies. Harmonix was this little tiny small, uh, small developer. They had a, like a relationship with Sony, but they were their own small developer. And Red Octane, they just made hardware for... D- they made DDR pads. They made third-party DDR pads for Konami games. And Guitar Hero essentially blew up at E3 in Kensha Hall. And then suddenly, after Guitar Hero blew up, uh, because of a lot of the people seeing it for the first time at E3, uh, which got it press, which then cons- got sales, and then, you know, they, but then Red Octane was purchased by Activision, and Rock Band was purchased by, or, and Harmonix was purchased by MTV. That's why Rock Band exists, because Guitar Hero was owned by Red Octane. Um, but that happened because of E3. And if E3 didn't happen, that probably would not have happened. So, and that had no bearing on what you saw. So, yes, being in the same place at the same time, all doing business and everybody knowing that this is going to happen and being able to have your representatives on site uh, to, to, you know, basically do the elevator pitch. And you have face-to-face conversations with looking at people in the eye, seeing the body language, smelling them. Do they have good hygiene? Because that's actually important. Uh, you know, because, yes, as a gamer, as somebody, a gamer going to a convention and going into the gaming room and Amway convention, yeah, it smells bad. And, you know, so that means you don't want to be there. But if you're going in and trying to get a, you know, six-figure deal from a publisher, yeah, if you smell bad, you're not going to get it. And it's really good for the person with the money to know if you can't even keep up your own personal hygiene. So, the Breakman actually asks a good question. No, he actually does. He actually does ask a good question. Uh, so then, do we need a new gaming show, but only for the industry? It sounds like it would be better for the smaller guys. So uh, the answer is yes. The problem is that it's all about the consumers allowing them to have it. Because we have it already. It happened last week. It's called the Game, uh, the game, game Developers Conference. It was in person. And it had all those meetings I'm talking to you about. And it had all those people uh, that were all there and people were able to talk to each other. And it really probably should bring up the take the mantle of that portion of the industry. GDC does not want to become E3. And the GDC organizers have actively fought against trying to become the new E3. And uh, I will also say that a lot of people got sick with, I'm sure you can guess what, after GDC. Uh, So there's a whole bunch of people still in quarantine right now because they went to GDC last week. Uh, That's unfortunately a reality uh, with, you know, anything right now. And it's going to probably be that for a long time. But GDC has the, you know, it's especially for like great for the indie developers to talk to publishers, talk to engine makers and things like that. And so they are absolutely there. All the companies are there to, you know, talk about that stuff. But... I've also seen the gaming consumers 
want news from GDC. And I saw it firsthand because they're really upset when Shigeru Miyamoto goes on stage and talks about uh, t- talks about uh, game design to a room full of game designers and doesn't give any information about the upcoming Mario game. And they got right, really, really angry at that. I was covering that, and they were really upset that he was not talking about future Nintendo products. He was talking about boring things like how he designed Miis and why he designed the Mii system and how it evolved and what he used as metrics. Um, and they were like, oh, so Miis are going to be in the new Mario game. No. And and what I, w- what I heard from people was they said they need to realize that the consumers are here, too. And they need to talk to us as well. They can't just talk to the game designers that are in the room with them. They need to realize that with the internet, we are here too, and they need to give us something. SJR Matt even said, the people not understanding what GDC was always about complain that there are no big game announcements. Bobby got tons of angry calls back in the day about it. But what happened is some game companies did use GDC for new game announcements. Cliff Blazinski came out on stage at GDQ with a big chainsaw to announce Gears of War. And they ran and so they basically it was an E3 style reveal of Gears of War at GDC. So that's what people were expecting more of. They were like, "Oh, they're going to talk about this boring technology stuff, but then they're going to talk about a new game." And that does happen some. Like I I know last week I think we were talking about Counter-Strike 2. Uh, was one of the games that Valve uh, showed, and I think they showed it, talked about it at GDC. And it, they, the way that they talk about these is like they'll introduce a new technology and then a game to go with that technology. Um, and you know, like they, it might have been like a Steam Deck type of thing. Here's something you can do on the Steam Deck. Um, and and Tycho says some of those consumers might also be future game developers too. Which is why they should really, really want some of these in-person events if they want to be future game developers because. Unfortunately, and this is not going to change anytime soon. Unfortunately, the uh, it's not necessarily what you know, it's who you know. And if you attend a game developer conference as a student, and you can get a student badge to GDC, and they have a, if you are a verifiable student uh, at a university, you can get a cheaper badge to go in and meet with people, and they have a job fair. Uh, and all that stuff. Not sure how the job fair went right now with all the tech layoffs, but they normally have a job fair and all that stuff. Um, you making that first impression in person means that you get past the AI filter that a lot of recruiters use to weed out resumes. And they've been doing this for a while. This is not a GPT thing. They've been using computer models to weed out resumes or highlight certain resumes for years. For many years, and we we now call it AI, but it they they do have a weed out system. So, but these in person networking events, you skip that filter. You skip the computer rejecting your resume before a human ever reads it. And they should want GDC to be a place for them to do that. E three, somewhat was a place where you could do that. I do remember handing out resumes at E three. Uh, early on before I did podcasting. It didn't work, but they were receptive to it. Um, you know, I, GDC is more of the place to do that, and especially at the game fair where they actually have their literal recruiters. That's where you'd want to do it. And yeah, you could do it online. You don't, you know, you, you could absolutely do it remotely, and they could have 
a website called gdc.com and they would ha- you could submit the resume and then it would go through an AI and it would go through a filter I'm not an AI but just a, a generic filter a recruitment filter uh, and your resume never gets seen by anybody. But if it's in person, you're directly handing them the resume like we used to a couple decades ago. Um, then you've already gotten past the filter to somebody. The Breakman says future game developers should want in-depth discussions about creating games. And that's what GDC has. And you, they, they've got a whole bunch of sessions and a whole bunch of panels. But what happened to GDC for a little bit is that uh, there was a time, the last time I went to GDC, which was 2006, we actually had a big problem with bloggers uh, because blogging was still a huge thing at the time. Bloggers got press passes and then would go into the Final Fantasy, I think it was Final Fantasy 13, I want to say. Uh, the Final Fantasy 13 designers talking about their methodology on how they design characters. And it was the team at Square that was working on Final Fantasy thirteen. Thirteen hadn't come out yet. And uh, they were talking about how they designed the characters. And all these bloggers came in and kind of in the room filled. Like it was at capacity. They had to turn people away. But a lot of bloggers went in and they left 10 to 15 minutes in when they realized all he's going to do is talk about stupid game design. He's not actually going to show us anything from Final Fantasy thirteen. I've got better things to do with my time. The big man asked bloggers, what, t- what is this, the Stone Age? I literally did say this was 2006. So bloggers, podcasters, we were kind of all like the independent media. Um, and, and we're kind of all in the, the same lump. So GDC stopped allowing bloggers and podcasters to get media passes to GDC. Uh, so that's why I only went to GDC a couple times, because other bloggers went in expecting game announcements and treating it like an off-season E3 and then they would actually take seats away from actual people who wanted to be game developers who probably could have gotten a lot out of learning how the masters design their characters and the the, the minutiae that they have to think about uh, when they're designing characters in a AAA video game. Like, that would have been gold for a lot of people, but there were enough people in the room that were like, I was just here for, you know, Final Fantasy thirteen snip- snippets that I could, you know, put on my blog and get hits from the gamers. So, and, and when I say bloggers, like, just translate it to influencers now, and it's the same thing. Like, we didn't have the term influencers back then, but bloggers, podcasters, anybody who is an independent, uh, you know, not working for a major corporation uh, or a major old-time, old-media corporation, because now a lot of influencers made their new media things and they're still influencers. You just imagine I said that. So GDC has been trying to actively combat being the new E3 in the in the eyes of consumers, and it doesn't always work. But I think in terms of options for the industry going forward without an actual trade show is I think GDC should become more important for the industry to get together. And I would hope that the larger companies, the larger publishers, while maybe not having a big presence in the sense of a consumer flashy show – I would hope that they would still have a presence to be able to take those meetings, to be able to have those relationships with other developers, because you never know, they may find the next diamond in the rough. And I think GDC is going to be that, because obviously uh, the ESA is not going to put on that trade show. ESA is no longer interested in putting on a trade show. Uh, They are now interested in just trying to make money in some way. Uh, and that's why they hired ReadPop, and ReadPop couldn't even do it. And for what, some of the other things that I read about about E3 and ReadPop is that ReadPop really did not 
it seemed like Reed Pop didn't really care that much about this because uh, the people uh, like reading things from like PR teams that routinely interface with E3 in the past. Uh, Reed Pop was not answering their emails, and when they did, it was usually you could tell it was like a junior member of the team. Like they put all their newbies on the E3 team at Reed Pop, which meant that they pro- pretty much knew it wasn't actually going to happen. So, um, so I think GDC in America. Now you got to realize the gaming trade sh- industry trade shows didn't die in other countries. Tokyo Game Show still exists. Gamescom still exists, and there they yes you can say they're hybrid events, but they were the tr- they have established themselves as a trade show and then the consumer gathering where they had a neatly split. That is what E three wanted to do. Unfortunately, I think they waited too late to do it. If E three had implemented that model in maybe twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, I think E three would still be around today. And Jeff Keighley, even in Jeff Keighley's tweet that I referenced earlier, he said, four years ago, I realized that E3 wasn't evolving. Gamescom evolved. Tokyo Game Show has been evolving. They've evolved for a long time. E3 wasn't evolving four years ago, which was 2019. And that's why he kind of split off to do his own thing. E3 is not going to be it. ES, the ESA is not going to be the one to run the trade show. I hope there is a new trade show for the industry. The, is, the big issue they're going to have to making one is, and I hate to say it this way because this is going to sound elitist, but it also excludes me, so I'm talking about myself, is excluding the consumers from the, from the equation. They need a video game trade, industry trade show that is very clearly not for the consumer. And very clearly not about the consumer. Um, and I don't know what that looks like because we gaming is, is very interesting in the sense that I can't think of any other industry uh, except maybe the comic book industry is probably the closest thing where the gaming and where the enthusiasts of that industry are really integrated into the industry and everything the industry does. Because the movie industry has its own trade show, but they have made it done it in such a way that you don't care about it. Um, I, I will also say that, uh, you know, um, did you know that like arcade games, like arcade and, and coin-op and, and all that stuff, they have their own trade show here in America. Um, and, it, 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 and when I say coin-op, I mean like your Dave and Buster stuff. So like ticket spitters, but also pinball. They have their own trade show, but I, I don't hear you caring about it. Um, but but they have their own trade show every year. Uh, it's a, the national. Uh, um, it's amusement machines, I think, is what it what it actually comes out to. And you know, but but they've made it an industry only thing, and the consumers don't really demand to be in. And uh, the Brickman says a skee-ball trade show. Count me in. Yes. No, it, it actually does exist. I think it's in Texas, I want to say. But, like, I, I just know, like, Stern goes, Stern Pinball goes to, you know, show you know show off their pinball machines because they're trying to get, you know, pe- operators to buy their machines. And so all the new ticket spitters and, like, they even do things with, I think, casino games and stuff. So uh, they, they have a whole convention for that. Um, the toy industry has its own trade show. And then they also have toy fairs. Uh, like the New York Toy Fair and things like that. 
um, that also I believe some consumers can get into, but I don't know what that's. I haven't looked recently. I think it was an industry-only trade show. I think there was one time I actually looked up all these things and was like, yes, you have to be in the industry to get into the toy fair. You have to be in the industry to get into this the, the arcade expo. You have to be in the industry to get into the auto uh, trade shows, automobile trade shows. Uh, and stuff like that. Rob Roberts does say, even uh, the the movie thing is starting to shake a bit. Trailer descriptions leaking, and now this year, even footage getting out of stuff, like the Little Mermaid remake had a trailer leaked. Um, So, uh, and Rob Roberts says, but also not to dismiss your point, because it is pretty accurate. Yes, no, people are, with the internet being what it is now, which is not what it was even five years ago, ten years ago, uh, I can see that happening, that people will go in and be like, I don't care, you know, I'm they're not going to know it's me with my little, you know, pen camera getting things, um, you know, but, but you know, other it, it's only just starting in those other industries and it's only in the industries that are entertainment based. Nobody cares what goes on in um, the there. There's a music industry trade show. Um, nobody cares. The consumers, the people who listen to music don't really care about what goes on there. Um, I only know about it because I know a lot of music educators because when I was in college marching band, most of the people that I was in college marching band with became music educators or became performing, performing musicians themselves. So they all have like get togethers at the big music industry trade show. Um, and I'm like, OK, cool. Gaming and I guess comic books and, and movies to a smaller extent, uh, their trade shows, the, the consumers really want to be a part of it. And it's because we've romanticized those trade shows to be more than just a trade show. And so I think a new trade show in gaming, which is going to be really hard, they need to make it not sexy. I guess it's the best way to say it. Uh, don't make it enticing for consumers. And GDC actually does a good job of not making it enticing to consumers. The booths at GDC are very muted. Uh, and they are, uh, you know, they're not flashy. They have all the lights on in the convention center. Where E3, they turned off all the lights and all the booths provided their own lighting and smoke effects and loud music and stuff like that. And GDC doesn't do that. It's it's more muted. It's more, it's a little more professional. Uh, and so consumers aren't falling over themselves to get to GDC. And so I think a new tra- industry trade show needs to kind of follow that model rather than follow the model of a PAX or a Comic Con or something like that. The Breakman says, sexy gaming, tell me more. Oh, I, if I pulled out some of my pictures from E3 in the 90s, uh, there, there's a lot of sexy gaming going on in there. And as Sharon Matt says, South by Southwest has been, uh, even gotten into gaming somewhat. South by Southwest is a complete, like, it's a different animal. I've never been, uh, so I can't really talk much about it. But it's it's also, like, it's also, you know, kind of more of a public-facing thing. It's not a trade show um, and stuff. So, um what I actually have also here, just because I knew I was going to be talking about this, and a lot of people on Twitter posted some of their like initial pictures, uh, pictures from their first E3, because E3 is dead again, so we do this every single time. I actually have like stuff from my first E3s. There was like, and let's see what's on, on some of these. So every day you could get like a show daily. It's called the E3 Show Daily, and it was a, a magazine. Um, and these are actually from the 1998, so it was the second one in Atlanta. Um, and uh, they would have... Uh, you know, some ads for things. Uh, ooh, Metal Gear Solid was shown off at E3 1998. I remember that. Um, oh, the Douglas Adams game, a CD-ROM for Windows 95, Starship, Titanic. Uh, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, Babylon 5. Oh. I did not realize I got this in, uh, this uh, this autographed. 
Like, I am literally finding this out for the first time here because I did not. This has been sitting in a bag for like 20 years and I pulled it out for this. But apparently Babylon five stars were at E3. And the actor that played Kosh from Babylon five with his gold pen actually signed uh, the article in this E3 show daily. And I completely forgot that I had that done. Uh, 20 years ago, but that is an actual, I can tell, like, it's a gold thing, so, um, yeah, that Babylon 5 game canceled, never came out, it was supposed to be come out by Sierra, uh, this was before Sierra went, uh, to... oh, hey, um, here we go, here's, here's a good one here, and maybe I'll post this up to Twitter, so on the back page of this 1998, there is a, an ad, and it says, available to good homes, cute, loves kids, sometimes shoot lightning out of their cheeks, Care and training, important. 150 types for sale or trade. There's a picture of Pikachu. So you got to realize Pokemon had not come out yet. This was the E3 where they announced Pokemon. And so uh, the, the, the text that you can't see on the stream here uh, is uh, monsters have once again invaded Japan. Oh, actually, I should, I should use my announcer voice. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Monsters have once again invaded Japan, except instead of crushing pedestrians and munching on rail cars, these new beasts are causing a frenzy of different sort, that of the sales variety, as in 8 million games sold and millions of dollars in merchandise. They're the monster pets of Pokemon! Next target, America. And considering their successful TV show merchandising and hefty promotional push, the results promise to be just as phenomenal, which means that there's a very good chance lightning will soon be sh shooting out of a few retailers' heads as well. Pokemon coming this fall. So like I said, it was geared toward retailers because the ad was not promoting the game to consumers. It was promoting the fact that you're going to sell a lot of Pokemon merch. You really want to put this on your store shelf. Also, one of these um, show dailies, uh, Sega unveils Dreamcast was on here because the Dreamcast was unveiled at E3 1998. Um, people on the stream are like, yeah, these are in pretty rough shape because they were kind of sitting in a bag for like 20 years at my parents' place. And I found, and so they've been, you know, not well taken care of. So they're like all bent in certain areas and stuff why I was keeping them like that. Uh, and uh, Dark Sia says, yeah, I know they did some same for arcade flyers. Those were more interesting than the operators and the players. Yes, because that's who was there. That's who E3 was for, was for the them. And it wasn't for the consumers. Whereas a consumer would look like that and be like, why would I care how much it sells? Why, 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 why would they put that ad out in this video game publication? Where's the screenshots of the game? I also have Squaresoft Frisbees. Remember Frisbees? Remember when we used to go outside and throw Frisbees? I have a couple squares off Frisbees. Just kidding. I also have an EA Sports Frisbee with the website on it. That's who E3 is for. Oh, yeah. And then there was this. I, I, I pulled this out. So um, this was back when, uh, and, and I did post this picture up on, on, on Twitter and stuff, uh, which you probably didn't see because they don't boost my posts anymore. Uh, but back then, Kensha Hall was in the Georgia Dome. So it was actually the first time I – well, no, it wasn't the first time. I marched there with a mar high school marching band. But uh, you, you, the actual, like, indie games and stuff, instead of being in Kensha Hall, which is now a – like, in the basement of Los Angeles Convention Center, they actually had you go next door to the Georgia Dome. And you had uh, – and there were a whole bunch of booths there. And uh, the Breakman says, a gaming show outside. It's called the Georgia Dome. 
It was not outside. But E3 was famously created because Consumer Electronics Show did shove them all outside. They basically put the gaming industry out in tents outside of the Las Vegas Convention Center and not actually in the game in the convention center. So that's why the video game industry broke off and did their own thing because CES did put them outside. So yeah, so we're going to take a quick music break uh, and then we'll uh, talk to Rob about this uh, more. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell show in the voice of geeks network at twitch.tv slash VOG network. It's me, Mario. Not really. Obi-Wan Jabroni instead, you're listening to the Bobby Blackwolf Show on vognetwork.com. Sorry for the terrible impression, by the way, Charles Martinet. I tried. I tried. Chris Pratt tried too, and we're going to find out this week. Apparently, red carpet, everybody likes it so far, but we haven't actually heard any real reviews. Um, and uh, But that comes out this week. And, and yeah. So uh, if you want to leave a bumper, you do not have to imitate Chris Pratt, imitating Charles Martinet, imitating Obi-Wan Jabroni. Uh, you don't have to do any of that. All you got to do is send me an MP3 of just your voice or a video with just you and your voice, and I will choose which DMCA violation I'll put behind it. And, and then uh, I, I will play it on the air, so I'm not playing bumpers from uh, back when E3 was relevant, which is a long, long time ago. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so uh, coming up next here, on the uh, Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash VOG Network uh, is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California, uh, who talk, talk about games for much, much longer than I do. And they're actually going to talk about things that are not what I talked about tonight. So if you actually want to hear other gaming news, you're going to tune into them. Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. How are you? I, I am doing well. It seems like every couple of years we do this, uh, you know, E3 is dead show. Sure. I think this time might be the last time we do it, though. <laughs> I think you're right. I, I think this is it. I think um, I'm actually really annoyed that you made the prediction that you did because I was going to say the same thing. And now I think and now they're going to think I got it from you. But um, yeah, I think I think the E3 branding lives on at Reed Pop. Um, and could that end up being its own show like a PAX LA kind of thing? Maybe. But I, I wouldn't hedge too much on that bet, at least right away. I mean, they're already downsizing PAXs. They got rid of PAX South. So they're doing mm-hmm. less of the PAX brand. Yeah. Right now. Uh, so I can't see them expanding another show, but incorporating E3 into PAX, mm-hmm. because I always said PAX is what people who never went to E3 thought E3 was like. So yeah. why not just make PAX the E3 branding and everybody's happy? It'll be the E3 show floor at PAX. PAX will be everything else that goes into the yeah. expo, but the, the show floor will be E3. Yeah. And they'll even say E3 at PAX. And I mean, I could even see them doing marketing like finally E3 has come to Boston. Because yeah. E3's never been in Boston. I also wonder if they wouldn't maybe just at some point change the show to E3. You know, it might end up being a G4 tech TV type of thing. Not to uh, get to yeah. maybe one year it'll be PAX at E3. And then another year they just call it E3. Because what's PAX anymore? Like, you yeah. know, it's, it hasn't had anything to do with the comic for quite some time. And mm-hmm. not to be rude on your show, but the comic lost relevance a long time ago yeah. uh, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I mean, how 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 t- how tied are they to that name PAX? Yeah. I think that might be the only thing I'd do is maybe go a step further and say they might end up calling that show E3 East, uh, yeah. but not right away. Yeah, because because yeah, like they will even say like, oh, PAX doesn't stand for anything anymore. Like they still do have the Penny Arcade people as featured guests and do like that stuff to to honor the roots. But yeah, mm-hmm. it hasn't been Penny Arcade Expo officially 
for mm-hmm. probably a decade now. Because mm-hmm. also, like, there are some people that don't like the Penny Arcade comic and don't like the people and some of the things they've said. So they've tried to distance themselves from the Penny Arcade brand, and which is why they're just packs. Kind of like how KFC is does not stand for anything anymore, officially. I, I miss when they were doing KGC, the Kentucky mm-hmm. Grilled Chicken yeah. promotion for a short time. Yeah. <laughs> E East is what Fifth Ream says it should be. Uh, it's I, I think it'll be either E three. I, th- I think there's a very good thought. It could be PAX E three one year, or it could be you know kind of mm-hmm. like you said E three at PAX that type of thing. Yeah. Um. But at some point, I just I I think it's more likely they just change the whole name of the PAX branding to E three at some point. Yeah, because then they could pay. You know, I don't know if they still pay licensing fees to Penny Arcade. They probably don't anymore. But like maybe this was how the ESA will make money. Is mm-hmm. they will license the brand to Read Pop, yep. and then Read Pop in that way the ESA gets money for their whatever advocacy work they actually do for the game industry, uh, mm-hmm. which they say is un they claim is unaffected by well, this. Well, when you're not doing anything, yeah. that doesn't change. Yeah, but uh, but you know <laughs> this may be where they want to go with it is that they'll just use the E3 branding for their fan conventions, and that way people are like I always wanted to go to E3. Well, now it's in Boston. It's not you don't yep. have to go to Los Angeles for it anymore. And yeah. yeah, it's not the same E3, but who cares? It's the name. Exactly. So, yeah, I think uh, this is going to be the last time that we'll we'll say that E3 is dead. Um, uh, and then uh, now it's going to be about what's Jeff actually going to do. Because I think Jeff Keeley, what he's doing is he's taking the consumer view of what E3 was and actually concentrating on that. And he's like, no, we're not a trade show. Like, we're he, not an industry gonna- trade show. He's also going to take the pomp and circumstance of the June announcements, you know, mm-hmm. and th- that whole thing that, that you kind of illustrated wasn't really E3, but it was a part of the E3 week. Those, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sony press conference. And I think he's going to take that arm of it and turn it into its own thing, whether it's, you know, a, a summer version of his award show. I think there might still be a little more to it than that. I could see where he tries to do something where it's like a even if it's not a three day convention, maybe a, a day long event that culminates in the you know announcements from a variety of companies yeah. as opposed to just one and i think i think co- companies will find it a little more lucrative to kind of pour in for a a, a mass potpourri type of show yeah they maybe try to put on their own things yeah because because I, but i think what jeff is doing is he is concentrating on what the consumers saw e3 as sure. which was sure. only a way to give them game news and yeah. that's what consumers saw E3 as, which is why consumers are like, well, E3 doesn't matter anymore. And I'm like, well, as an industry trade show, as GDC showed last week, having mm-hmm. an industry trade show is still very important for the industry, but it mm-hmm. doesn't really benefit the consumers at all, which is why the consumers never thought E3 w- would be relevant. But E3 was relevant because of the relationships inside the industry. But the consumers don't care about that. And I think Jeff is going to tie into the stuff that the consumers care about, which is why it's going to be successful. But and I think you're right that GDC will probably pick up the brunt of a lot of that for the industry because it already has in the last few years. Yeah, be quite honest. And, yeah. and also, like I said, Tokyo Game Show still exists as a trade show. Gamescom in Europe still exists mm-hmm. as a trade show. Uh, mm-hmm. So the other places in the world are still doing their th- the thing that they ne- we need for the industry. It's just the American game industry lost their trade show. Yeah. So uh, other stuff happened this week. So what else are you going to be talking things? about? Well, the um, Microsoft Activision Blizzard news just won't quit. But this time, mm-hmm. it's not what you think. And it's a, a kind of what it led into. And that is Congress taking a look at someone else 
not directly involved with this, but they've had a lot to say of this. Very interesting. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Some of the comments that have come bubbled up on that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll also talk about, ooh, very controversial changes happening in Pokemon Go. Uh, if you didn't already think it was a dead game, you may have buried it this week. We'll see. And then um, actually funny April Fool's Day pranks. There's not a lot of them. But somebody put out a brand new game uh, featuring a very well-known character. And uh, I think those are the best kind of pranks. You know, mm-hmm. when it's like, oh, we have this full little tangible thing that's very silly. And uh, but but it's not it's not hurting anybody either. It's not an outright mm-hmm. lie. It's just a silly thing. All right. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. And so that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network at Twi- Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Come join us and interact with the show directly. And maybe next time I won't hit the mute button on my microphone when I actually want to turn off the Discord call. Maybe next time I'll do that. I've only been doing this for 846 episodes. You think I would learn how to hit buttons, the correct buttons. Um... So, uh, so yeah, so uh, you can join me on my, our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. I am also on social media, at Bobby Blackwolf, just about everywhere. MSTDN.games is my Mastodon instance uh, for when I do post there. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody. But it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet, but we would not be able to make this live show work without the help of people who go above and beyond. You just being here, even though things are going on, in a ring somewhere and elbows are dropping. I don't know what goes on. Um, even though all that mania stuff is going on, thank you so much for being here or listening to us on the podcast feed. But I do want to thank pod culture and SSJ one and her mat for resubscribing on our Twitch channel. Thank you so much. They resubscribed, uh, for 45 months, which Twitch math is weird. Uh, they've been subscribers since we were taking subscribers on Twitch. So ignore that number, but that is still a very large number. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, and uh, I'm going to try to hit this button because the Breakman even says buttons are hard. So does this button work? That button works. So hopefully I'll hit the right buttons to get me out of here. And uh, I will see you next year or next year, not next year, next week. Not a whole year. It's next. What is time? Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom, although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.